Well, good morning. Allow me to add my word of welcome to Eric's this morning. My name is Nick Price. I'm the site pastor here at Trinity Kimberly Way. And as Eric said, we are coming to the end of our Advent series. Advent being this word arrival, it means that we are looking forward to the arrival, the arrival of Christ again. And as Eric said in his introduction, we do look back. We look back at that first Christmas when Christ first came into our world, but really the Advent season is about looking forward. It's about looking forward to the day when Jesus will return. And so as we've been going throughout this Advent season, we've been looking at the Christmas story. Looking at the Christmas story using four different words and four different perspectives in order to have fresh eyes on this very, very familiar tale. And so in week one, our word was watch. And we looked at the story of Simeon, a man who was watching and waiting for the salvation of God. And we learned that we too are called to watch, to be on the lookout for what God is doing in our world. Then in week two, our word was prepare, as we looked at the story of John the Baptist, and we saw that preparation is really more a matter of the heart, as we prepare for the day when we will meet our God face to face. And then last weekend, Pastor Mark was here, and our word was rejoice, and we looked at the story of Mary, and what we saw is that joy is indeed different from happiness. It's far deeper, and it springs from having peace, knowing who our God is. And so as we come into this final week of Advent, we have one more word. We have the word behold, and we're going to be looking at this story once again through the eyes of a character that we often don't really spend much time thinking about his perspective. And so hopefully that will be something that, again, gives us fresh eyes on this familiar tale. But before we even get into God's word, I think it's right that we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let's pray. Lord God, down through the ages, prophets and angels have, have longed to see your salvation come. And we thank you that in these Advent days, you have revealed that salvation to us. And so, Lord, as we once more come before your word and see the gift that you've given us in Christmas, the hope that we have, Lord, we ask that you would indeed give us open hearts and minds to receive that message. And Lord, I pray that the words that I speak and the thoughts that we think together as we meditate on your word, Lord, that those would all be pleasing in your sight. O oh God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as I said, we're looking at the Christmas story from one more perspective, and it's a perspective that we often don't think very much about. It's actually the perspective of the angel Gabriel. See, anyone who's read the Christmas story is familiar with Gabriel's role. He's the one who comes and he announces good news to Mary. But we often don't take a moment to stop and say, what would it have been like to be in Gabriel's sandals or his shoes or whatever angels wear on their feet? And that's really what I want us to do this morning. I want us to put ourselves in Gabriel's shoes. To ask the question, what would it have been like to be in his place? 
And so first, uh, we need to know a little bit about who we're talking about. We need to have some background about Gabriel. First thing that we learn about Gabriel is that he's an angel. And that's a pretty common term, especially around Christmas time. We think about angels, angels over mangers, um, angels in different depictions and artists' paintings and illustrations. But I want us to get clear what we mean when we say angel. Because when we're talking about an angel, we are not talking about cutesy choirs of angels. Okay, usually when we think of this story or we do like Christmas pageants, we get like the, the cutest children that we can. And we put them in like these little white robes and they have these golden wings and like a halo on a wire sticking above their head, which like bobs. And we're all like, aww, that's so cute. Because it is, it's cute. You guys can smile at that. It's very cute to see these kids. But when, but when the Bible talks about angels, that's not what it's talking about. First and foremost, the word angel simply means messenger. And whenever the angels show up in the scriptures, there's one of two reactions to them. First, they either show up as terrifying warriors of light who inspire fear in everyone that they encounter, or when they show up, they show up incognito to the point where people aren't even aware that they're angels until they start to get into a conversation with them. And so whenever the angels show up in scripture, the reactions are either, ah, or, huh, but never, ah. <laughs> it's either terror or confusion. Because these are divine beings. These are heavenly messengers. They are part of the army of the armies of the Lord. That's who we're talking about when we talk about Gabriel. But we learn something else from Gabriel about Gabriel as well. And it actually is something that we learned a little bit earlier on in Luke's gospel. You see, before Gabriel appears to Mary, we learn that six months prior, he appears to Zechariah, okay, her cousin-in-law. Zechariah was serving as a priest in the temple, and he had gone in there to offer incense up to the Lord. And while he's there, Gabriel appears to Zechariah with some news, some news about the coming salvation of God. And one of the things that Gabriel tells us about himself is he says, my name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. See, Gabriel tells us that he stands in the presence of God. And what that means is that Gabriel has a unique perspective over and against all the other characters that we've been talking about so far because Gabriel has been there from the very, very beginning. He was there when God created the earth. He saw each day as God made the land and the sea, the lights and the stars, the sun and the moon, the birds, the fish, the animals that walked across the land, and ultimately on the final day of creation that he made human beings and made them in his own image. Gabriel heard God over and over again as he created this tapestry of the world say, it is good, it is good, it is very good. And Gabriel was there and watched with broken heart as Adam and Eve, those, those two people made in the image of God, rebelled against him as they reached out and they took the forbidden fruit from the tree and separated themselves from their, from their good and heavenly father. But Gabriel also heard in that moment a promise, a promise that one day a child would come, a descendant of Adam and Eve who would crush the head of the serpent once and for all. 
Gabriel was there when God decided to wipe the slate clean. He watched in terror as the floodwaters came and wiped all life from the face of the earth with only a handful, this small family of Noah saved through the floodwaters. And as the waters receded, Gabriel would have heard another promise, a promise from God that never again will I destroy all life on the face of the earth through a flood. And he would have watched as God took his bow and hung it up in the sky as a sign and a promise. His bow pointed to heaven saying that one day when judgment comes again, it will fall on me and not on those that I have made. He would have watched in eager anticipation as God started afresh with a new family. When he called Abraham to leave his father's house and the land that he knew and go to a land that he would show him. And he would have heard God make a covenant with Abraham that one day through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Gabriel would have beheld the exodus the moment when God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, he would have watched as God parted the Red Sea and led his people to freedom. He would have listened on Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the law and would have heard the prophecy made that one day a greater prophet than Moses would come, one who would bring about an even greater exodus for all people. He would have been there when God raised up David, David as king over his people, to deliver them from their enemies, and he would have heard God make a promise to David that one day one of his descendants would sit on on his throne for all time. He would have listened in as God gave words to the prophets about a final day when his peace would come into all of creation, when the lion and the lamb would lie down together in peace. And Gabriel would have delivered the message to Daniel that one day one like the Son of Man would come, that the Ancient of Days would give him power and authority, that he would sit down on his throne and he would rule over all the kingdoms of the earth for all time. Throughout the entire story of Scripture, Gabriel would have been there. He would have beheld promise after promise after promise. And I can imagine Gabriel standing in the presence of God and asking the question, but how long, O oh Lord? When will that day come? When that curse that we first saw in the garden will be overturned? When will that day come? When all these promises will be fulfilled? When? How long, O oh Lord? And I can just imagine standing in the presence of God and wondering, that, asking that question, what Gabriel's reaction would have been on the day when God said today. We read in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. I can imagine Gabriel in that moment when God comes to him and says, Today, today is the day. 
Today is the day when the curse will begin to be overturned. Today is the day when my covenant promises to the patriarchs will be fulfilled. Today is the day when the greater prophet of Moses will be sent into the world, when the, when the descendant of David will be conceived. Today is the day when my kingdom will break in in a miraculous way. Today, today is that day, Gabriel. And I can imagine that in that moment, after waiting down through the centuries to hear this one call, that in that moment, Gabriel's reaction was, Yes! Yes! Today is the day. Today is the day when I get to bring that message into a world that desperately needs to hear it. Yes! I get to go. I get to bring good news into the world. I mean, have you ever had that moment of being so excited for something and then today is the day? Today is the day when you actually get to see it come to be? What about that, that day when you finally get to say, I do? When you've been making promises to the one that you love and today is the day when you get to stand before your family and friends and before God and say, I do, and begin your married life together. I have to imagine there's a little bit of yes in that moment. Or what about that day when you finally get to meet your child for the very first time? That you've been waiting for, for nine months to meet this tiny person and today is the day when your child is born. I have to imagine there's a little bit of yes in that moment. Or maybe you've been waiting, you've been waiting for like two years for that one movie that you've always wanted to see to come out. <laughs> and it finally comes out and you're just like, yes! Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Woo! Okay, you know you're a Star Wars nerd when the highlights of your life are marriage, children, and Star Wars. Okay. There's a little bit of yes! But all of that doesn't hold a candle to the yes of Gabriel. All of that doesn't hold a candle to the excitement that he must have had that now, finally, he gets to bring the best news the world has ever heard. And so he leaps into creation. God says, go, and he goes to deliver this great news. A little bit of yes. And the reality is, is we have that calling too. We have this opportunity every single day to step into the world with the best news that anyone has ever heard. We should wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, today is the day when I get to go. But too often we don't. Too often, too often when I talk to people about this idea of going and sharing your faith with people, telling them the best news that they could ever hear in all of creation, the response is, I can't do that. I can't share my faith. No way. And often the reason why we say that is because we're wrestling with fear and doubt. Fear that we won't have the right words to say. Fear that we won't know enough to tell that person. And we doubt. We doubt whether they even want to hear it or whether they really even need that good news. And so we often don't jump in with that, yes, we, we, we instead say, I can't share my faith because, and we give all kinds of excuses. But I have to wonder if the real reason we don't share our faith is because we've lost our sense of cosmic wonder. See, Gabriel had a sense of cosmic wonder. 
He knew the big story. He'd seen it being written on the tapestry of history, and now he knew that he had a role to play. And I think that oftentimes we miss that sense of cosmic wonder. We forget that we have a role to play. That just as Gabriel had this incredible opportunity, this incredible calling, this eternal purpose, we too have an eternal purpose that we often miss. And this is why the Advent season is such a beautiful season, because it is a time when we look back. We look back to all that God has done, but the point of that is so that we would recapture that sense of cosmic wonder, so that then as we look forward to the day when he will come again, we too, like Gabriel, can daily step into our world and say, I have good news to give. We need to recapture that sense of cosmic wonder. Because our world needs some cosmic wonder. Our world needs some hope. It was certainly true in Gabriel's story when he first appeared to Mary because he comes to her with this incredible message, right? You, that you are about to give birth to this child. His name shall be Jesus, which means God saves. And he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will have no end. There will be no end. He has this incredible news that, that, that Mary needs to hear, and yet Mary is living in a world that, that, where it's hard to hear good news. Where when people come and they say, I've got good news for you, we often respond wondering, is it true? Really? Do you have good news? We read that upon Gabriel's greeting, that, that Mary basically responds with, with wonder, with, with, with a troubled heart. She sa it says she was greatly troubled at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And I think the reason why is, is not so much because of, uh, because of, of doubt about, about God or anything like that, but because Mary lived a hard life. You know, Mark talked last week about how, yes, Mary's life, she would have had moments of happiness, but let's not lose sight of this for a moment, that Mary was a poor girl. She was a peasant living in this far-flung corner of the Roman Empire, that she lived under the oppressive rule and might of Rome, that each day would have been a day of wondering, well, where is our next meal going to come from? It was a world of violence and hardship. And especially as a woman, she would have been seen as a second-class citizen. Her life would have been difficult. And that's part of the reason why when someone comes and says, I've got good news for you, we can often wonder, can I believe it? Really? What kind of greeting is this? Because there are moments in when we struggle when we, when, we, when we grapple with the shattered nature of our lives and of our world. And we hear people say, I have good news for you. And we're just like, can I believe it? On the one hand, we hope. We hope it's true. But on the other hand, we look at our circumstances and we wonder, is it really true? We keep saying Merry Christmas, but there's nothing merry about my life. I want to know is the good news you bring, is, is, is it something that I can truly cling to? Because we live in a world where talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And we want to know, I want to see a sign. We live in a world that desires signs, that wants to know if there's something that we can believe. And that's why I love how Gabriel responds to her. He responds to her with this one word, behold. 
He says, I want you to look and see something. He says, you, can, you, Mary, can believe my words because of what you can see. See, the sign that he gives her is this sign uh, of her cousin Elizabeth. See, her cousin Elizabeth was, was advanced in years. She was, she was beyond the years of childbearing. And, and furthermore, she was barren. We're told that she and her husband, Zechariah, couldn't have a child. And yet now, Gabriel tells her, he says, Behold, Mary, look, look, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. See, Gabriel says, you can believe my words of good news because I'm going to show you good news. I can point to something that God has already done so that you can be confident of the hope that you have. Gabriel says, there is a sign. This is the sign that you're looking for. You can believe because of what you can see. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about Christianity that sets it apart from every other world religion because every other world religion has different kinds of philosophies and ideas. They have different versions of good news. But Christianity is the only religion that's willing to stake its good news on historical events. That's willing to say, you can believe our message of good news because of what you can see. In fact, this entire book, this entire book of the Bible of Scripture is written by people who are present in those circumstances. In fact, I love how Luke begins his own gospel. He says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word uh, ha have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. See, Luke says, you can believe this story because people have seen it. Because there are eyewitnesses and there's evidence that I can point to. In fact, Paul says, if these things didn't happen, then we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, Christianity is willing to say, you can believe the message we have because there's evidence for it. And if you're sitting here and you've never examined that evidence before, you've wondered, can I believe in the message of our faith? then what I would encourage you is this Christmas, give yourself a gift. Explore that evidence for the first time. Because as you go about looking at the archaeological and the historical and the textual evidence, what you'll find is that the, the evidence for Christianity is overwhelming. Some scholars have even said we actually have more archaeological evidence for the truth about Jesus Christ than we do for Alexander the Great. And if you don't believe me, pick up one of these books. Books like Evidence Demands of Verdict, The Historical Reliability of the Gospels, or the New Testament Documents. Pick one of these up this Christmas season and read. Read so that you might see. Read so that you might behold. Read so that you might see the signs so that you can come to know the truth because that's the gift that Gabriel gives to Mary. He says, behold, look, look, because when you behold, you will believe. Because all of these signs 
All of these stories that we have in Scripture point to the ultimate sign, the ultimate sign that God gives us, and that is Christ born in Bethlehem. That is God who entered into our world to save us. That he lived among us. That he walked with us. That he died for us. And that, yes, he rose again and his tomb is empty. And so when God says, there's a day when I'm coming again, when I will make all things new, we know that he can back those words up because of the signs that we have already seen. And that when Jesus comes again, we will no longer ask the question, how long, O Lord? But instead we will say, it is finished. Thanks be to God. That's the reason we look back at the Christmas story. It's so that we can behold and see that God's words are true and that he can fulfill them. And that just as he has done so in the past, so he will do again. That just as Christ came, so he will come again. And when we behold, we learn to believe. That's what I love about Mary's response to Gabriel. Because upon hearing all of this and upon hearing about the sign, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You see, when we behold, faith is born. When we look at what God has done, it stirs up something in our hearts. When we behold, we learn to believe. And I think that that's our calling, not just this Christmas season, but that's our calling as God's people in the world is to invite others to behold. To come and see what God has done for them so that they too might believe. This is one of my favorite uh, photographs. It's a picture by Jeremy Cowart. And he took this photo in Kiev. Now, Kiev is a country that for a long time was behind the Iron Curtain that was under Soviet rule, and during that time, religion was almost entirely stamped out, which means that people my generation and younger grew up never having read the Bible, not having heard Christmas stories. And he took this picture in Kiev of these two young people. Do you know where they're standing? They're actually standing at a bus stop. But behind them is St. Michael's Church. Those are the doors. It's a picture of the archangels and all the heavenly hosts, and you can see them standing there totally unaware, probably not even knowing what that story is all about, just waiting for the bus. And what God says is he says, you're a part of that company of heaven. Our calling as God's people in the world is to help them look up and see, to behold the good news of God so that they might believe and have faith, that they might know that God can and will fulfill his promises of good news and salvation to the ends of the earth. And so this Christmas season, I want to invite you to once more help other people to behold. Who is God calling you to talk to this Christmas season? Who is he sending you to? I'm sure you can think about the upcoming parties and celebrations that you're going to be going to. And you know, you know that there are people in your lives that God is saying, I want you to talk to him. I want you to talk to her. I want you to invite them to behold. Maybe that first step is is taking one of these cards. We handed these out a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the Advent season. And to just invite people to behold by coming to church with you. And as you walk out of here, I still have more of these. So guess what? We're going to give you another one. But it's not for you. It's for the person that God is sending you to. Or maybe you just need to sit down and listen. You just need to listen to someone's story. Maybe you know that they've been kind of turned off to God, but you never have learned why. And the first step in helping them behold is simply to say, just tell me your story. What are your doubts? What do you struggle with? Or maybe God is saying, I want you to take it a step further. It's time for you to tell them your story. 
so that they can behold and believe. That's our calling. It's a beautiful calling. It's a calling that Gabriel was excited to fulfill. And it's a calling that we get to experience and live out every single day. That's my hope for us this Christmas season. And it wouldn't just be about us looking back and looking forward, but it would be about us inviting others to do likewise so that they might behold and believe that Jesus Christ is indeed Emmanuel, God with us. It's in his name that we say, Amen.